my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show today. I was joined by Nick Lindquist. It's always a great time talking to Nick. Uh, we, we previewed the uh, Georgia Senate elections happening tomorrow, uh, and we talked a lot about the bizarre, uh, strange uh, culture war stuff that we saw from the left over the weekend. A, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, before I get to Nick, this one hurts. This one hurts, ladies and gentlemen. I, I have, but I, I have to do it. I'm in physical pain saying this, but I've got to do it. I have to congratulate our friend, Democracy Dies in Darkness, for winning this year's No Gimmicks Podcast Fantasy Football League. Uh, one of fair and square, my friend. Uh, he, a parody account, so I can't say his real name. But uh, fo- everybody follow him on Twitter, at Dying Democracy. Won the league fair and square. Had a great season. The Electoral College has voted. And the great Democracy Dies in Darkness has won. Uh, he beat uh, Aaron Bandler, actually, in the uh, championship round over the weekend. Aaron put up a, a good fight, but he was not meant to be. I, I, I really thought I had a, a shot at winning the league this year. I had, I had a great draft. Drafted number one overall. Got Christian McCaffrey. And it was all downhill from there. <laughs> so, congrats, my friend. Uh, but, make no mistake, next September, your boy. What's my team name again? Oh, yeah, Keep Cool with Coolidge. Uh, the great Keep Cool with Coolidge is back in action in September, coming for the championship. But enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts, my friend. Uh, and guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else, wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you're on iTunes, guys, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. All right, without further ado, the great Nick Lindquist. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Nick Lindquist. Nick, my friend, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Doing fantastic, man. So uh, first show of the year. Uh, let's uh, get off to a great start. <laughs> um, look, I hate talking the cultural stuff. And, and I, I mentioned this before we started recording. I, I would just I'd love to sit here and talk tax policy for an hour. But um, the cultural stuff is important. So occasionally we have to begrudgingly uh, talk about it. Um, and we saw a lot of weird cultural stuff from the left over the weekend <laughs> that we have to touch on to start the show today. We know that the left controls the culture and the institutions, you know, all of them. Uh, we understand that. And we know that's why they win elections. I mean, their ideas are terrible and they fail anytime they're enacted. We, we know this. We don't need to get into that. Um, but if they can beat people into submission culturally, they win. And that's how they, they win elections. And in my opinion, the most irritating thing the left does, and you saw it over the weekend, is they just send out feelers. They send out sentries, <laughs> if you will, just to see how much they can get away with culturally. And you saw this. After the, the 117th Congress convened, uh, there was a Democratic congressman. Actually, I forget the guy's name. I believe he was from Kentucky uh, or Missouri. I don't know. One of those states. Uh, he gave the, the congressional prayer, which was, uh, which is, by the way, super messed up. It was like the whole, like, whatever gods you pray to kind of thing, like kind of disturbing. But yeah. at the end of the prayer, uh, this gentleman... <laughs> <laughs> he ended the prayer with, quote, a man and a woman. Uh, so no one is this stupid, obviously. <laughs> like, right. this guy isn't that dumb. I, I'm sure there are exceptions 
uh, to this rule. I, like AOC comes to mind. She just seems like a just an unintelligent kind of person. But typically, like Congress is the major leagues of politics. Like you don't get elected to Congress if you're just a complete dummy. You know, I mean there right. are there there are examples that prove the rule true. But uh, you know, usually you can't fake your way to Congress. Um, so he's not that stupid. He's just insult. He's doing a couple things. One, insulting the intelligence of the American electorate, <laughs> and two, just trying to see how much the left can get away with culturally. Do you think that's kind of the game they're playing, or am I way off here? Yeah, I would agree with most of that. I think, um, you know, this is a testament to a trend that's been going their way for a long time. And like you said, they've managed to get a good grasp on our culture as Americans and really shifting away from the ideas of intellectual freedom and the freedom to live the life that you would like to live um, being able to say the things that you would like to say under your constitutional rights um, and sort of turning, you know, identity politics into a sort of religion in itself. Um, you know, they've made it, it, they've, they've added a spiritual element to identity politics, intersectionality, um, CRT, things like this. And, you know, they've managed to get a grasp on our culture and, um, even mainstream, everyday, regular people are, are falling for it. So I don't think most people in particular fell for the amen and a woman thing. <laughs> um, I think most people are smart enough to know that that's not what that means. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it just means it is so, or, or so it be, it's right. not a, you know, it's in not Hebrew. a yeah. thing. It, I, like I was watching that and I was like, how is this not like, a like a key and peel skit or something. How is yeah. this happening in real life? Um, but again, you know, they've managed to, to take control of our culture in a lot of ways and they're trying to push the boundaries now. It's not something that's just contained to our college campuses and a couple, you know, far out of the way academic papers anymore. Yeah. And you, you know, the old line, um, I forget who coined it, but it, it, it's from decades and decades ago. It's the stupid party and the evil party. You know, Republicans are stupid and Democrats are evil. And I, yes. I don't think that's true, um, uh, you know, politically necessarily. I mean, I do think that left-wing policies are evil. Like, I, I believe left-wing I believe taxation itself is evil. But I, I don't think you, you're an evil person if you want to raise taxes. I think you, you can, you know, you're, you're coming at it all wrong, and you are profoundly wrong. But maybe you're coming at it with, with you know, good things in mind i you know uh, but culturally speaking i think that old line is true right and like i i like the um ben shapiro's line that he uses a lot that you know you never uh, i'll butcher it but i'm paraphrasing never attribute malice when you should be attributing stupidity <laughs> to a situation you know and like right. but that's true politically like government is inherently stupid like government like it can't like government is inherently dumb and inefficient like government all government is is force right it's just force it's just violence government is just violence like government is great at killing people and nothing else <laughs> you know what I mean? like try to mail a letter with the postal service like it's probably not going to get there like you know government's great at killing people and that's good sometimes like it's when the government gun is aimed at bin laden that's terrific and then it's way less terrific if it's aimed at like you know like a wedding in yemen not great but like it, government is inherently stupid. So politically speaking, I think Ben Shapiro is right. Like, don't attribute malice where you should be attributing stupidity. But culturally speaking, I do think that that's where the real evil lies on the left. I mean, the, the cultural forces of the left are, to me, 
inherently evil, not just stupid, because they know what they're doing on a cultural level. At least some of them do, but maybe not all of them. Some of them do, and it does start with religion, right? Like Karl right. Marx knew this, Mao knew this, Lenin, Stalin. I mean, they knew that if people believe in God, they won't accept leftism. Like leftism is not compatible with Christianity, so religion will always be their first target. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, and I would also agree that you know the far left at this point is you know, kind of pushing an evil narrative. It's not well-meaning anymore. Right. I think that that doesn't define most Democrats necessarily. And I think that a lot of people that fall for it don't even notice it. But um, there is a certain evil element to a lot of these things and to cancel culture specifically um, where we're seeing kind of a cultural decay. And I'm not necessarily a a cultural cult, culture war conservative or anything, but I think it would be a mistake as people who care about constitutional rights and um, the continued prosperity of America to ignore the cultural decay that's happening. Uh, I think there's there's ways to to approach the problem that everyone could get behind, you know. So, um, but yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I, I think that the, the Democratic Party of the 90s and the, you know, the kind of well-meaning um, sort of progressive policy uh, sphere is shrinking while the sort of more sinister and evil side is growing. Yeah. And I mean, did people like you and I just really miss the mark on this? Because I'm not a culture war guy either. Um and then not just us, because we're relatively young, but I mean, going back decades, I, I think we just all made a mistake. <laughs> I think we should have been fighting these battles at the institutional yeah. level for decades, and we just haven't done it. I mean, the, the the end goal of the left's cultural takeover, which is, I mean, pretty close to complete at this point, I, I'd, I'd say, but it, it's to get us to give up, right? It's to discourage us. And yeah. a lot of people have. I mean, it's like nobody, like conservatives aren't really in any meaningful way trying to take back the universities or taking back pop culture or anything. I mean, it's not like, I mean, is the right fighting in any real way to retake any of these institutions on on any level that could be effective? I mean, I don't know. I think people like you and I messed up, (laughs) you know, over the years. I I don't know if it's too late. I I don't know how we dig ourselves out of this, but I think we should have been fighting these cultural battles going back to the 60s, 70s, I I suppose, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, conservatives, Republicans in general have, have long, sort of avoided these kinds of conversations and ignored the issues and tried to focus more on, you know, economic policy, foreign policy, the things that do actually matter in society and, right. and you know, kind of allow America to continue um, prospering. But I think that, you know, they have pretty much ignored a lot of the cultural stuff for a long time out of fear of getting canceled or, um, not really knowing what the right answer is. And, um, you know, we're starting to see the effects now. I, I agree. I think we should have been kind of pushing back on these things for a while, especially when it comes to campuses where we sort of just kind of seeded everything to the left. Um, and now we're seeing things like Western civilization studies disappearing right. and, uh, we're seeing, you know, colleges and universities adopting, you know, scrapping their their freedom of thought mantras and and slogans and adopting you know social justice ones and ones that are 
meant to, you know, virtue signal essentially. Um, so I think that's a huge problem too. I mean, especially with campuses because that is the future of the country. So, um, yeah, I think we have definitely kind of dropped the ball and I'm a little optimistic now I'm seeing, you know, I think a, a lot of Republicans are kind of snapping out of it. Um, I don't agree with all of them, but I think such as, you know, the NDAA, which had sort of anti-Chinese Communist Party policy in it to kind of curb communist influence in American universities and institutions was a good thing. It didn't go far enough, but it is the sign that we're starting to snap out of it, especially when it comes to China. Yeah, I I, I definitely think you're right there. I just don't know if... Um... I don't know if we're going to ever be able to retake these institutions. Yeah. I mean, we can just use, you know, higher education as an example um, because it might be one of the most egreg just egregious, <laughs> egregiously corrupted by the left. But it's like I, I don't know if the universities are salvageable or if they if our only way out is just to destroy them. You know what I mean? Like make it ridiculous to go to college unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer <laughs> you know what i mean like I, I don't know if that's how we win this fight is just like encourage people not to go to college or if we can actually salvage these institutions like i just don't know yeah i mean it's a tricky question i think that there's still potential for a lot of them um you know there's some institutions that are not salvageable like uh you know you know the the regular ones that always have the protests when ben shapiro comes or something right right um but there are definitely, I think, uh, for example, kind of smaller private institutions. Um, there are already some conservative ones, although there's not really a lot. I can probably count them with one hand. But um, I think that some of them are salvageable. And I also think that just in general, um, the the path after high school shouldn't automatically be college for everyone. Right. Um, I think that's definitely a a flaw just with our society in general that we force everyone into college then they struggle to find a job after college because they weren't you know necessarily personally cut out for it to begin with and uh and then we we see issues like uh student debt so but yeah i i, I think some of them are salvageable it's just a matter of figuring out how to get them back right i uh I don't even know how we would go about predicting these things because the left is just insane. <laughs> these yeah. Like if you would have told me literally 24 hours ago that some idiot in Congress was going to say amen and a woman to end a prayer um, on the House floor, I would have said, I mean, that's got Babylon B written all over it. Or that yes. that sounds, sounds like, you know, Kyle Mann wrote that joke, you know. Um, <laughs> I, But so I don't even know how. I mean, it could be something even more bizarre by the end of the day, by the end of this podcast, my, my goodness, we could check Twitter and just sure. start laughing right then. But I think the left is really going to put, and it, you know, it might not be on kind of the gendered language thing that might get some pushback for this, but like they're going to push the boundaries this year. Now that they got Joe Biden in and, and, and Joe Biden's an Alzheimer's patient, you know, he's not really running the show, you know, um, and they control the house and they, you know, and all of this. I think they're really going to just send out feelers this year. I think 2021, you're going to see some really bizarre stuff. I think they're going to just try to push this cultural wokeness. I mean, it's going to it's gonna be way worse than it has ever been this year, I think. I think that's safe to say. And I don't know what institutions they're going to go after. I, I, I have a feeling they're really going to hit the military hard. 
with the woke stuff, and you've already seen a little bit of this in the military, um, but I think they're really going to try to corrupt the heart and soul of the, of the United States military this year. I think they're going to really go after the, the woke culture hard. Um, and the thing is, it, if you're talking about like policing or the military, that's going to end with people dying. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's going to be calls to me. <laughs> why don't we have an all-female SEAL team? And then they send them into battle and they get slaughtered. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know. When you're talking about st- institutions like the military, you're talking about literal life and death. So it's like, I, I, I hope I'm wrong about that, but I could really see them attacking something like the military hard in 2021 on, on the woke front. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I definitely could see that. Um, and it's uh, on the Joe Biden point. I mean, yeah, he's, you know, he's not all there all the time. And it's funny because I've actually already seen an op-ed that was basically saying, you know, is it time to get excited about the Kamala Harris transition? Oh, like gosh. they're already they're already pushing boundaries before the before the guys even in power. Um, they're already saying the silent part out loud. And um, I, I definitely agree that I think, you know, depending on how uh, what what's today the fourth. So yeah, but depending on how the sixth goes, because that's or no wait is is the Georgia runoff ending tomorrow? Tomorrow. I think yeah, yeah. So, I mean maybe. I mean, I mean who knows how long it'll take. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. theoretically uh, speaking, the election's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, depending on how that goes, if if the the Senate is up, you know, in in trouble, I think that that. You know that's going to be a, a huge problem for the country, but either way, I think they will push the boundaries. But I am glad also that um, Republicans are sending a lot of new members with lots of potential to eventually combat that, like um, uh, Lauren Boebert and uh, Nicole Maliotakis from from New York. I think there's a lot of potential for um, a new combative force against these kinds of things right. actually i was reading that that nicole would like to found a like a a freedom squad to to combat the um the regular squad of aoc and friends so i don't know i think there's potential there but for the short term i certainly see them pushing those boundaries a lot yeah and also i uh, mentioned uh, young kim from california as well mm-hmm. who's a you know korean american i think she's going to be a rock star too um, yeah. I, I want to get to Georgia in just a second, but I, I'm just staying on the cultural front. We have to mention one more thing. Uh, yeah. just <laughs> another, another bizarre one, man, from, from this weekend, uh, cosmopolitan, which is apparently still a magazine who knew, um, <laughs> so, I'll paraphrase all of this. Just Google it if you want to see it, but they, they decided to put fat women on the cover of their publication, um, with the caption quote, this is healthy. Um, and I'm not talking about like a, a little bit overweight. I mean, you're looking at women, you know, pushing three bills. You know what I mean? It, with with the caption, "This is healthy," uh, encouraging women to stay fat. Um, I just don't understand it, man. Look, I just don't understand this angle for a couple of reasons. First, if you want to say, you know, th- put put an, an obese woman on the cover of, of Cosmo and say this is beautiful, you can absolutely say that because beauty is subjective. <laughs> okay, but there's not a physician on this planet who believes that being obese is healthy i I mean that's great and also why now i mean it's common knowledge that obesity is a contributing factor factor to the coronavirus death count okay like covid is killing obese people at a much much higher rate than healthy people i mean if the left wants to spew this insane anti-scientific nonsense can they at least wait until the pandemic is over like is that too much to ask my goodness yeah yeah i saw that cover and i was i mean not really surprised but 
sort of just still shocked. I mean, it was just, I, I saw and I, you know, I've been thinking about it and it's like, okay, well, you can, you know, you can find ways to not ostracize people, excuse me, who are overweight and um, you can say that they are beautiful because again, that's subjective, but I think that that lying on the cover about how it's healthy is not the way to go about that. I don't think that's a good thing to be encouraging. Um, so yeah, I agree. That's that's just again a testament to the way that the culture is going and how that's somehow mainstream now, mainstream enough to go on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine. I just don't get their end game here, man. Like I get yeah. <laughs> I get most of the cultural end game stuff. It's to, you know, beat conservatives <laughs> over the head and get us to kind of give up and, and just cede ground politically to the left, but like telling people to be unhealthy is during in the middle of a global pandemic is just I, I mean, I, like, who are you helping here? Like, you're, right. I'm not saying, like, fat shame people. Although, among men, at least among friends, I'd say fat shaming is good a lot of the time. Probably not with women, but with men. I mean, like, I, I gained a bunch of weight a few years ago, and my friends made fun of me, and I lost the weight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, hey, man, look, like, if, if you come on the show in a few months, and we get on Skype, and your boy had just gained, like, 50 pounds. Like, it would be your moral obligation to make fun of me and shame me into losing weight. <laughs> but, Noted. Like, but I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying that that's necessarily great, especially with women, but it's like, I just don't. Come on, guys. Like, it, uh, whose side are you on? Are you on COVID's side? I'm like, come on, I feel like we should all be united against death. But um, let's talk about Georgia, man. Let's talk about the special Georgia election. This might be the most important election in a while including the presidential election uh, to be honest well i mean we'll see what happens yeah. but I, I don't know i it looks like david purdue is still still looking okay but i i never have a good feeling about this i i mean i i live in the bluest district in ohio i'm used to losing every election so i'm always like a debbie downer but i'm like i look at what the republicans are doing right now and i'm like if the republicans are trying to lose these senate seats i can't really tell you what they would be doing different. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I don't know. I just don't have a good feeling about this, man. Yeah, you know, so I I have a I'm still positive and, and optimistic about the seats. I think that they will win by a very very narrow margin, but I think that they'll still both pull through. Although I will say you're you're right. I mean, I don't like especially um, Luffler. I don't understand what she's doing sometimes. It seems like she's trying to lose a lot of the time, but um, you know, just so I, I lived in Charleston, South Carolina before I was here in Texas and, uh, I've in, in that city specifically is pretty similar to Northern Georgia. I think that's a region in itself. Um, kind of that Savannah, mm -hmm. Augusta, um, Charleston sort of region. Uh, and I, I'm pretty optimistic. I was optimistic about Lindsey Graham as well. Um, and he pulled through by a good margin. Obviously, Georgia has the the challenge of basically the Atlanta area. Um, but I think that ultimately they'll both pull through because it was looking like in states like that, um, the Senate and congressional Republican candidates were outperforming the president in a lot of cases. So I'm still optimistic. And I guess we'll see. But, yeah, they're doing some things that I would think are, is a mistake um, in their races. 
I mean, I know this is going to piss off the vast majority of my audience, but I'm, you know, I respect my audience enough not to lie to them. I mean, Trump is hurting us big time in Georgia. Like, I just don't yeah. think there's any way around it at this point. I mean, if anybody has can make a case to prove me wrong, I'm all ears. But, um, I mean, first he loses the state to an Alzheimer's patient, which is very hard to do. Um, yes. And then you, instead of, you know, doing anything he can do to drag Purdue and Leffler over the finish line to, you know, preserve his legacy. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. We lose these seats. It'll almost be like President Trump never happened. So I don't know why he wasn't focused on that. He was focused on whining on Twitter about voter fraud after the fact. Which, and by the way, look, do the Democrats cheat? Of course they do. But you know, he was president of the United States over the summer when all these uh, states were breaking their own state constitutions to change the way they were, were holding elections. I mean, he could have sued all of these states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, over the summer. I believe in July when they started changing the law. Um, instead of whining about it after the fact, I don't really get that move. And, you know, he spent more time tweeting about Lynn Wood and all of these fake lawyers. I mean, are these people real lawyers or are they like, I mean, it's like, or they I'm like, really questioning. I mean, it's like, it's like Dr. Pepper is a doctor or Julius Irving is a doctor. It's like the same way Lynn Wood is a, is a lawyer, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a way around it, ladies and gentlemen, if we lose one or both of these seats, it's on the president. I, I just I cannot see any data to the contrary. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty damaging to these races. I think of the damage, uh, the president has probably been the most damaging, especially with that um, that phone call that was released uh, between him and uh, was it the Secretary of State of Georgia? Yeah, yep, with yeah. a name that yeah. I always forget. Brian? No, not Brian. Brian Kemp's the governor. What's the? Uh, Man, I'm just bringing the professionalism hard. <laughs> this morning today anyway yeah. the secretary of state for the great state of georgia yeah yeah uh brad whatever his name yeah um yeah so that that was not a good call and um i think that that was just kind of the icing on the cake i mean it's been kind of going on for a while where he's not really focusing on the most important election really of my lifetime i can't remember another one that was this important um yeah and He's just not putting the the attention and focus into it that he needs to. He's very focused on, so I, you know, I don't know what his strategy is with the election fraud stuff, um, but he's very focused on that. He's not focused on, like you said, preserving his legacy and making sure that there is some sort of blockade to these insane leftist um, politicians and policies that would completely reverse his entire presidency. So I don't know what the strategy is here, but it's not it's not going well. It's it's not proving well for for Leffler or for um, Purdue. And I mean, obviously, with a caveat, I mean, it's a day that ends in Y. So obviously, this this phone call between Trump and the Georgia secretary of state was not nearly as bad as the press made it out to be. I mean, it wasn't good, right. <laughs> but, but it wasn't, you know, the end of the world. And, and look, it was a real let's just say weak move by Georgia secretary of state for leaking that audio. I mean, where I come from, that'll get a man knocked out. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Hey man, keep your mouth shut. But once again, it's just, it's just president Trump running his big fat dumb mouth at the worst possible time. It's like, can you just lock it up for a couple days? Like, can you just calm down the week before the special election so we can win, preserve your legacy and move yeah. on from there? But he can't do it. I, I'm like, 
It's so frustrating, man. It's so frustrating. We finally get a win in 2016, you know, and then this year in 2020, yeah. we make big inroads in the house. The house is within striking distance in 2022. Um, we should, uh, we still could, but you know, we definitely should have held onto the Senate. And then helping or hurting, Mr. President. My goodness, it, I, ladies and gentlemen, Trump fan. I mean, I get it. 99% of my audience voted for Trump. I voted for Trump twice. I'd do it again, okay? <laughs> he was a pretty good president. But he is hurting us down ballot. He's hurting us in Georgia. There's no way around it. Lying to yourself, lying to, you know, the, the, the people lying to the audiences. Um, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, you, you can you can like Trump. You can love Trump. Um, I endorsed him on the show, and I hardly endorse any politicians, okay? I, I voted for him twice. I endorsed him twice. Yeah, lying about what he's doing, lying about his behavior is doing no one a service, and I don't know why there's so many people on the right doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, yeah. Again, I don't know what the strategy is here. I don't get it. Um, and I think that, yeah, again, he's, his focus should be on his legacy and preserving that. But, um, one silver lining I do see is 2022. And I think that, like you said, the, the house is, is going to be up for grabs. So I think that's a definitely a silver lining. And I think that if the, Democrats do secure the Senate, um, that will just further accelerate uh, Republican performance in 2022 because we will be completely in the opposition and they will enact policies that people look back at and go, oh, wow, this is not, you know, this is not what I want. Because like you said a little earlier in the podcast, Democratic policies are not what people actually want in say suburban America, they just want to, you know, satisfy this sort of guilt that people are starting to have in America over racism and 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 sexism and basically the the whole narrative behind a lot of far left progressive talking points. So I think that is a silver lining. It will suck for a couple years if that does happen, but hopefully we at least hold on to the Senate. And um, Mitch McConnell serves as a a barrier to all of this. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. For for anybody on the right who's been uh, smack talking our boy Mitch McConnell, which I just don't understand. I, I don't understand I, why why people keep doing this. Um, I mean, you can be frustrated with what's happening politically in the country. It's never Mitch McConnell's fault. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I can't point to one instance in recent memory uh, anything has really been Mitch's fault, but. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right there. I'm not going to make any predictions about tomorrow um, because I, my predictions have, in the last year or so have been just, just the worst, just abysmal. <laughs> I, I'm getting I'm getting worse <laughs> with with uh with my predictions. My goodness. Um, but I'll let you do the the dirty work, Nick. Uh, do we keep one or both of these seats tomorrow, or whenever the heck they uh count all the votes? Could be a month from now. Who knows? Yeah, with the way that they've been counting them. Um. I think we hold on to both, but narrowly, way too narrowly for the state of Georgia, um, which was once a very safe state for Republicans. And then, and, and if we do lose, I think we'll lose one seat, hopefully not both. But then again, I don't see people going to the polls and just voting for one senator. So I think it's going to be party line. People are going to be voting both seats. So I think we either win them all or, or win none of them. Um, if, if the situation were different, I would say Luffler is probably the most vulnerable, but, um, 
I, I say we hold on to both very narrowly. And I sincerely hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right, my friend. Uh, Everett, Georgia conservatives, please go out and vote. Georgia Democrats, yeah. set this one out. Um, Nick, uh, thanks for doing this, man. We got to do it again soon. It's always a fun time when you come on the show. Where can everybody follow you online and read your stuff and keep in touch and all that good stuff? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Lindquist. Um, and my website's nicklindquist.com. Everybody follow Nick. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Oh, 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 oh,